Good morning, how are you, or good afternoon, or good evening, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Woke Women Writing. I am your host, Michaela. Um, I've had some, I've been having some microphone issues with the microphone in my headphones. Um, it's been making some weird noises in my podcast lately, um, so I'm just using the microphone in my phone. Hopefully that will be better. Um... I should get a microphone, but I'm also a hoarder and trying to move, so less things the better, I suppose. But, yeah, so it is, um, 9.26 on Sunday, April 25th. Ooh, I need to pay rent soon. Anyway, um, I want to tell you about, like, my week, and I've been working on my thesis. Um, I went to a little get-together, uh, Wednesday what they call Waka Wednesday with just a few people and I drank and had a very nice time and we would do a shot of vodka and then eat a pickle right after because apparently that's what this Russian girl did so that's <laughs> what we did and I spent the weekend in Ona and that was really nice they have a really nice park and it's just I like that city quite a bit I'm getting to know it like get my understand the area a little bit better so when I'm walking around I can be like oh I know where I am so that's cool so I hope your weekend was nice as well um cool so we are starting a new chapter we are starting chapter three head games crazy shrill and sad and this may be a three-part chapter um because I only had like I only went 10 pages into it and I said oh this is already a lot of information I don't want to be talking for like 45 minutes, you know? So, yeah, we're just gonna hop right in. Cool. So this is talking about um, women's big old brains and universities and um, learning disabilities in women. So I, I think this is one of my favorite chapters that I've done so far. So I hope you guys like it as well. Cool. And so basically how it begins... Also, by the way, this is from the book Unladylike by Christine Conger and Caroline Irvin. So if you like some of the information I'm saying, go ahead and um, order it. You can probably get it on Amazon or something. Um, it's not as popular as the other book I was reading last season called Women Don't Know You Pretty. Uh, but I think this one is much more educational. And yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. So, hopefully you find it interesting as well. Cool. So, it begins with basically how all these historically intelligent people were all men, right? Um, Mozart, Picasso, Einstein. Like, I feel like when I was in uh, school, grade school, there wasn't a whole lot of women making history. And that's such a shame. It's such a shame, such a shame. And how in, like, even TV shows or textbooks, all the scientists are perceived as men, you know? And, like, now we only really see, like, the Mark Zuckerbergs or the Steve Jobs or, um, who's the Amazon guy? Um, the bald one. Jeff Bezos, you know? And there's not a whole lot of representation, or maybe there is, we just don't see it as clearly, of women being these super smart, super uh successful women you know so basically because of that like there's a study in 2017 
how even from the age of six, little girls were doubting that the gender was really, really smart. They, even though they were more likely to get like better grades than the boys in the kindergarten for second grade classes, they didn't have that association of seeing men be very, very smart. And they, because of that, they didn't think that they were also really, really smart, you know, which is very sad. I think that goes to say that we need more representation, you know, and even if that's just like stock photos of women scientists in these textbooks that kids have to read, I think just just small little changes like that can make a really big difference in these, in these little girls, you know, I think that would be nice for them. Um, yeah, so, and women were, like, when there was what do you call it, like a note, like when you ask somebody to write you a, um, a letter of recommendation, that's the word I was looking for, um, men, and this was in an analysis of 2016, like, men were described as brilliant and genius, and, um, the female professors and wanting to go into um, med school and stuff were more seen and more being praised for being knowledgeable and productive you know not like as strong kind like strong words yeah um yeah and basically like a lot of these successful historically successful men uh were not treated well to women they did not treat women well um public Pablo Picasso, so the painter, you know, from way back when, he just, he treated women so disposably, and this is that from the book, um, that his daughter didn't even want to go to his funeral, you know, like, that's kind of crazy, and we praise these men, but, like, they were not necessarily the best, you know, like, I'm sure you've heard of, um, Louis C.K., sexually assaulted some women, I, I say that with a very casual tone, that's not a casual statement, um, and, you know, he's still, like, this, uh, stand-up comedian that's super famous, he did get, like, his movies and stuff didn't really continue after that in 2017, but, like, there was this quote that I liked that I wanted to share with y'all, and it, so, basically, It means masterpieces, punchlines, and seemingly pure magic don't compensate for treating people like disposable muses. You know, I think that's really interesting. I think that's really well said. That these men, you know, they, even though they're successful and intelligent, you can't just, like, treat women not well and still being praised for... You know, like, you should do your best to be a whole, well, good man. Okay, that probably didn't come out very well, but I think you see my point. I'm cool. And this next little section, um, what to expect when you're expecting neurosexism. So basically, back in the day, so like, Victoria era, um, like, When people were first discovering brains and how they worked and skulls and all that good stuff, 
um, there was, it was like, um, a myth, but very common in the turn of the 20th century that women had, we had missing five ounces of brain, and that had been spread across Europe and America, basically saying that, like, women's brains were inferior because they lacked five ounces, um, and literally being told, like, we're airheads, you know, like, we just had a bunch of air up in our heads, um, and it's like, yes, it's true that female brains are about 10% less than male brains, but that's because of freaking proportions, you know, like, brain size is proportionate to body size, not intelligence, wow, who would have thought, you know, like, otherwise, like, elephants, who, which elephants are very, very intelligent, but they would have been, like, way more intelligent than human beings because their brains are, like, five times bigger than ours, you know? If we went with that logic of bigger brain, more smart than, like, fucking whales, they would be, like, the smartest, they would be the scientists because they have big brains, you know? Because brain's size is proportionate to body size, you know? Oh, it's so silly. So, 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 so silly. Yeah. And often the, um, the cadavers being used in these scientific, um, explorations. So the cutting up the bodies and looking at the brains and dissecting and stuff. Were often, like, indigenous people or slaves or convicts or something. And they were not treated very well. Uh, I follow this TikToker. And he often shows body cadavers and explains different parts of the body, which I think is very interesting. I think it's from some institute, actually. And he is always, like, very respectful of the cadavers. And he doesn't, you know, call them by, like, the name they were when they were alive bodies. But he, like, makes a point of, like, just not tearing up and dissecting these things all willy-nilly, you know? Like, really being respectful of the fact that they donated the body to science and, and like using that the best way that they can yeah okay next next page um oh i thought this was interesting so going back to um neuro sexism basically um there is and I didn't know this, there is such a connection between autism and gender non-conforming. Yeah. And so, basically, um... Okay, yeah, here we go. So, kids at autism clinics are more are seven times more likely to be gender non-conforming. And on the opposite side, if you look at it the other way, Kids at gender clinics, which I don't know what a gender clinic is. If you do, please tell me. Uh, kids at gender clinics are up to 15 times more likely to be on the autism spectrum. Which is really cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Maybe it's just the way that the brain works when you're one way or the other. And the connections it makes when you're one way or the other. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But then, with um, maybe this is because being non-binary may be perceived as more culturally accepted than being transgender 
because when transgender people who also have autism and they're like hey i'm you know transgender i would like hormonal transitions i would like to dress differently it's just like dismissed as like a cognitive defect which is not nice at all um and that probably also happens with uh, gender non-conforming as well but it's just like dismissed like oh your brain is a little bit different so that's you're not gonna get it you know that's silly uh also i wanted to touch on learning disabilities while we're talking about this kind of stuff and the gender gap in that which we all know is very apparent and like adhd autism dyslexia all these things get diagnosed in young boys way 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 more than young women young girls like especially with adhd that gets diagnosed in little boys so much more and like as an like if you're an undiagnosed adult woman you you it can be very very difficult um my sister just got diagnosed with adhd she's like 23 24 um and yeah it's shitty to not be diagnosed with these kinds of things like it's it just has this feeling like sense of powerlessness and the these challenges that you don't realize is why your brain works that way like time management organization stress management like i feel like having a diagnosis kind of reclaims your space a little bit and kind of is like oh yeah that that makes sense that's why i maybe have bad coping mechanisms or whatever uh, i'm undiagnosed dyslexia dyslexic i'm self-diagnosed which i know isn't uh correct formally but like when men get diagnosed with dyslexia way more and I think it's like, you know, the bad handwriting, which is a sign of dyslexia, and like being late to talk, being late to tie your shoes, all these things. Like, it's just like, oh, it's just a boy thing. Like, boys just suck at tying their shoes. Like, or girls, girls just suck at tying their shoes. Like, it's just dismissed. And it's not like, oh, maybe we should look into this. Maybe we should talk to a specialist. Um, and also, especially with autism like even up to like the early 2000s autism was described as like a an extreme male brain that's in quotes like there was not mine but like basically because women have or like girls have slightly better social skills than boys do just kind of like in general i suppose like women were very are very much better at like masking um certain characteristics they may have in order to like fit in better and because they're more better at masking they are extremely extremely undi like underdiagnosed you know that's not so nice okay shifting the gear a little bit to uh black girls in school so basically, and all of this reminded me of the school to prison pipeline. I think there was a really good Netflix documentary about this called 13th, like 1-3, 13th, with a TH at the end, um, which goes about um, the school to prison pipeline. 
but basically how even when young black girls are like in freaking kindergarten freaking preschool they are like sent home more often like they are put on the principal's bad side like um 12 percent of black female students in elementary school and middle school were suspended compared to one percent of their white classmates in the same period like and sure maybe you maybe you can make the argument it's like oh well black girls just uh blah 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 like no um no there is a bias in the teachers a bias in the school system whether they recognize it or not whether it's apparent or not um to spot out this kind of stuff and it's not okay like yeah it's and it's it builds up that stereotype of black girls as being seen as like angry or aggressive or whatever um and even as being so young like being in middle school and then it's not good and something that somebody was saying let's back and see the um so this is from national black women's justice institute co-founder monique w morris was explaining that black girls the most important thing for them in school in a learning environment is like just having a connection with one teacher one teacher and like feeling that they care about them feeling taken care of like feeling that encouraged by them will make like all the difference you know it'll make all the difference in the world for them for their education for them like continuing their education and i feel like that's not a hard thing to ask the school system you know like i'm thinking of like when i was in school i remember i had this teacher in middle school named miss ellis and she was a teacher for this program that i was in that was meant for um at risk children so like maybe kids from lower income areas or what have you and called advid i believe and this teacher she was a black woman and she went she graduated from university of maryland and yeah she really encouraged like the black students and she really taught us like organizational skills and she was in charge of this advid program until it got defunded uh sadly uh yikes which kind of screwed over some because it was like it went to high school as well and kids were getting scholarships through this program and then they got defunded which really really sucks um and yeah she would like organize field trips to the local university with us to like encourage us to go to university you know and i think if the program continued and like in the past i think it really did help kids in um lower income areas lower income families to go to school go to university you know do well get into sports get into whatever you like and yeah she she made a point to like care about us and i remember this other middle school teacher miss lane i think after she got married and we're having like a class discussion and we're sitting in a circle and we're holding like a a ball and then whoever had the ball could talk you know and all the 
black kids. Not like there was a lot of black kids in my school, let's be honest. I came from a way whitewashed um, hometown. They were explaining, like, hey, we get dress coded way more than the white girls. And we get sent to the principal's office way more. And when, like, one black kid is acting a fool, we think, like, hey, stop it. You're making the rest of us look bad. I remember being, like, 12 or 13 and sitting in this conversation and knowing I, you know, it wasn't my place to speak, you know? And, yeah, having, like, a few of these teachers to give us this open space to talk about this, I think, meant a lot. I think it was really important. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. Black girls in school. So, also, as women started going to universities, so, basically, it was, yeah, it was much more, um difficult for women for black women especially to go to university you know like i wrote down something what did i write down i take notes but i don't really look at them how um okay i don't look at my notes because i can't read them basically how it was harder for black women to attend like a normal university it was also just harder for women to attend like just normal state universities but it was easier for men for black men to get admitted into like yale or harvard you know because there was like the the racism of course but then there was the added sexism into the schools as well and it got to this point where like women were doing really well in school you know and then these how do you say it um these principals or like administration people were like oh we need to let we need to put less women into our schools because they are doing well you know and it looks kind of weird that they're doing so well and there was this one um thing so in uh so in nineteen fourteen there was Radcliffe University and there was the uh university president, LeBaron Russell Briggs, and he was trying to support an African American applicant, Miss Girl Mary Gibson, to go and to get enrolled into this school. And um his reasoning for letting her into this university was she wasn't like other black girls basically owning to like that she was well she had lighter skin and she could pass as spanish oh boy oh boy um and even when women were in university like part of the curriculum was doing laundry and sewing and shit like that um i think that was like i think i had one more thing to to say um but i can't find it Wait, I think... Okay, I'm at 23.30. Cool. Yeah, there was a few more pages I wanted to read, but I wasn't sure, like, time-wise, if I could fit that all in. Turns out I could have, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, and then I'm gonna continue with this next week as well, so stay tuned for that. This was one of my favorite episodes. I think I'll actually have the balls to, like, promote this one. Oh, and we hit, um, 300 listens. 
I think we're at like 303 lessons. So thank you so much. That's so awesome. I saw that this morning. Man, 300 lessons. That's not a small number. That's not a small number at all. That's more than just my mom listening to this. That's cool. Yeah. Ooh, I'm so I'm so happy about that. So anyway, um yeah, we'll continue on this chapter next week. And I hope you guys have a nice week. I will be hopefully working on my thesis. Um and <laughs> let's let's see how that goes. But I love you guys so much and thank you so much for being here and for sticking around. Cool. Bye. Mwah.